Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to the Chase Travis Live Show here on Creative Live. I'm going to get right into today's episode with you. Today's guest is Dave Asprey. If you're not familiar with Dave's work, he's the founder and chairman of Bulletproof 360. If you've ever heard of Bulletproof Coffee, where you mix butter and some oil into coffee and drink it and have a lot of energy, he is the founder of that, among many other things. Um, he's the best-selling author, host of the Webby Award-winning podcast, Bulletproof Radio. He's been on the Today Show, uh, Nightline, CNN, all sorts of different media outlets. And he's got a couple books, Superhuman, The Bulletproof Plan to Age Backwards, The Bulletproof Diet, Lose Up to a Pound a Day. Headstrong, the bulletproof plan to activate your brain energy. And today we're talking about a couple new things. One, his latest book, How to Fast This Way Burn Fat, Heal Inflammation, and Eat Like the High Performing Human You Were Meant to Be. Uh, a little more backstory on Dave. So, any anyone who's a biohacker like Dave is always ahead of the curve, saying things that seem controversial. And Dave has been one of these guys for a long time. So much of the work that he's done in and around uh, diet, nutrition, um, how to change the, uh, the chemistry of your body are things that I personally have tried, friends of mine. And fasting is one of those things. Now, there's so many myths that we address in, his, uh, in our conversation today, things that are featured in the book. Um, some fast or some myths like that fasting is just about food, that fasting is dangerous for the body, that fasting equals dieting. Uh, a lot of those myths are ones that I, I believe are toxic in our culture. One of the reasons that I wanted to have Dave on the show is because I personally have had experienced the benefits of different types of fasting. And we do, for those who are curious, go into that, all kinds of different, how to exercise while fasting, how to hack your sleep for increased energy, how fasting drives mental clarity and, uh, and can help you live longer. These are facts. Um, anyway, my hope is that you will listen to Dave's um, rather eloquent explication on the, the merits of fasting and why it's gotten a bad rap. Um, more importantly, I encourage you to get a copy of his book. But without further ado, I want to introduce uh, Dave Asper to the show. Give him a warm round of applause from wherever you're on the internet. And let's kick it off with my conversation with Dave Asper. You know something? Maya Angelou said it better than anyone I've ever heard. She said, creativity is an infinite resource. The more you use, the more you have. And that rings so true to me, which is why I wrote a book to address all of the experiences that I've had with creativity, or rather the most important ones that I think can contribute very meaningfully to your life. That's right. It's a book. It's called Creative Calling, and I would love to hear what you think. Um, if you haven't heard of it, then you've been living under a rock because I've been talking about it for one year now. It hit the national bestsellers list as soon as it came out the very first week, and I believe that it can help you improve your career, your hobby, and most importantly, your life. If you are unfamiliar with the book, it's available anywhere books are sold. Of course, all the big box stores, but if you can get it from an independent, that would mean a lot to me. And uh, so I'm going to get out of the way and get to the episode, but want to say thanks and don't forget to check out Creative Calling. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here, Chase. It's been a while. We were just uh, reminiscing before we started recording that it's been a good five plus years since we got to spend a little bit of time together. You're in the Creative Life Studios, I think, 
either in was that Seattle or San Francisco? I don't San Francisco. Remember. San Francisco. Yeah, it was real early days, like one yeah. of the first things. Yeah, in, you were early on shows. in our health and wellness universe. Um, and I still refer to that. You've done a lot of amazing work in the space of biohacking, uh, self improvement, and that is what I. Um, want to have you on the show for. And we talked about this also before we joined. I hate saying that over and over for the people who are like, wait a minute, I, you keep saying the things I never got to hear and uh, just pretend like I wasn't there, Chase. So let's go back to um, the premise of your new book is around fasting. But before we get to the premise of your new book, I'm curious of how you ended up at fasting as a book worthy topic, because as someone who's been hacking your biology for a decade or more, presumably you could choose a lot of things to focus on. So fasting now, what you're 10 plus years into your journey as a uh, renowned biohacker. Uh, and I, of course we'll spend some time there, but presumably there were a lot of adventures and misadventures prior to now. So take us, uh, through a, uh, a a short history of how you landed where you are right now and all of the different things that you focused on to get to where you are. Well, I, I used to weigh 300 pounds in my, my mid-20s, and I had all the diseases of aging, like prediabetes, arthritis in my knees since I was a teenager, um, cognitive dysfunction, uh, high risk of stroke and heart attack. And I'm like, went to the doctor the way you're supposed to. And they couldn't do anything like, oh, we don't know. Try to eat healthy and exercise. I'm like, guys, I work out an hour and a half a day, six days a week. I did it for 18 months straight. I'm still a 46 inch waist. You got anything else for me? And they're like, you're lying. <laughs> have some Wellbutrin. I'm like, no and no, you're fired. And I just realized I'm going to have to hack this myself. So I started doing the things that were supposed to work. I was a raw vegan for quite a while. And man, you want to break your biology, do that. <laughs> I, um, you know, I tried the Atkins very early on zone diet, all kinds of things. And I found I could lose 50 pounds relatively easily. The other 50 was hard work. It took 10 years and it culminated in me saying, you know, keto doesn't work if you just do keto. And the proof of that is the number of people at a low carb conference who have lost half the weight they have to lose and they can't lose the rest. So they're like, oh, it's cause I ate 16 grams of carbs instead of 15. And no, that's not it. And the same thing, say vegans going, my hair is falling out. I don't feel good and I'm angry all the time. Um, it's because I'm not vegan enough. You know, I have to eat more spinach. And I've been both of those guys, okay? <laughs> so I can, I have license to say that. Uh, and also the, the guys, well, I'm still fat. It's because I don't work out enough. Let me just over-exercise. So I ended up spending a million dollars. I traveled around the world. I learned meditation from the masters. I tried it all and I've written a successful book on anti-aging. People have lost a million pounds on the Bulletproof diet and probably, and then some started a company that's grown to be pretty well known called Bulletproof and a neuroscience company focused around meditation. And what I realized is that in my, my, the, the initial focus of my blog and my first big book, I talked about intermittent fasting and I talked about keto. And if you look at like the Google trends after that, like I think those helped to plant seeds for people, but intermittent fasting was a part of it. And my whole point was, look, not having breakfast sometimes is really good for you. And you can do this bulletproof coffee thing. And if you, you know, have never heard of bulletproof coffee, it's grass fed butter, coffee beans without mold and MCT oil. And you blend them together and you have it for breakfast. And I've present the evidence, Hey, you're still getting the benefits of fasting, but you don't feel like, 
I used to hypoglybitchy if I don't eat and then you're yelling at people. Right. And so like we have lives and we can't all be health influencers who, you know, I'm just going to, you know, drink my kale smoothie, which makes my joints hurt and, you know, just kind of look cool and then do whatever. Like we have jobs and we have families and we have stuff to do. So I wanted to get the health benefits. I wanted the cognitive performance benefits, but during the week, I just don't really have time to be tired. And what I found over the last, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of, of, of readers and followers and things is that people don't understand fasting and people don't understand keto. So I'm disturbed at the, you know, keto at all costs thing. You need to cycle it. Like I said, cause I did the not cycling thing and hurt my biology there, just like I do with the vegan thing. So fasting is, has reached that point where now it's generally accepted. The problem is there are lots of books on fasting and the instruction manual looks something like this. Don't eat for a while. There, book done. Okay, that's <laughs> fasting. It's book, not that right? hard, right? <laughs> and then you could say, ah, no, but I'm going to write another book. I'm going to go to PubMed. I'm going to search for fasting. And PubMed's the directory of most of the medical research you can look at. It's nicely organized. So now I'm going to put up like 4,000 links to fasting studies and say, fasting is good for you. There, now skip breakfast and you're at a fasting book. And I'm not looking to you know poke fingers at my many colleagues who are promoting fasting and, and doctors and all that. It's good. Fasting is as important as sleeping, as important as eating. It. I just didn't want to write another book like that. So what I did is I looked at the evolutionary psychology. I looked at the psychology. I looked at the personal development. And I talk about the first time I did a four-day fast, which was in 2008. I would say before fasting was cool. I hired a shaman to drop me off in a cave outside Sedona so I could experience my fear of loneliness and my fear of starving because as a 300 pound guy who's learned that you have to eat six times a day or you'll go into starvation mode, I realized I'm actually afraid of being hungry. I don't like acting like a jerk when I'm hungry. And I realized I don't like being alone and I would do almost anything. So to not be alone. So I'm like, hey, put me in a cave. And then I got no food. I got no people. I'm going to have to just deal with it head on. But the psychological side of this, it's a big deal. So this is a book about how to actually fast instead of how to know that fasting is good for you and then not do it. And Fasting itself is not about just not eating. It's about going without. And you can fast from almost anything. You want to fast from carbs? It's called the keto diet. You want to fast from alcohol? It's called abstinence. You want to fast from air? It's called intermittent hypoxic training and breath work. And yes, I do that too. Brief periods of not having what your body is screaming at you that you need will make you profoundly stronger. You can fast from water. It's called a dry fast. And when you do that, it changes your cell biology. All of these are real, yet we're somehow obsessed with, oh my goodness, I just have to skip breakfast or I have to go multiple days and I have to kind of self-flagellate. Most people, men or women who do fasting are going to feel great after the first couple of days when they figure it out, like, oh, I can do this intermittent fasting and there's, I'm never having breakfast again. And, and Chase, I can tell you what's going to happen. In two months, the men are going to be like, my hair's getting thin. I don't sleep very well and I don't have a kickstand when I wake up. And the women at about four to six weeks are going to be saying, I don't sleep well and my hormones are off and I don't feel good and my hair is thinning. So the same thing happens with keto. You have to cycle. And so the idea is how do you just approach fasting so there's no pain, no fear, and how do you hack the hard parts of fasting so you don't have to feel the pain when you have other stuff to do in your life? And the book has three big hacks for fasting as well as all the mindset and the idea of a spiritual fast in it. That journey 
to getting to that. First of all, the book is fantastic. So congratulations. Oh, I have read many of those books about fasting that you so speak. And uh, I find there's a general um, avoidance of the psychology part of it, which is one of the things I valued that you took head on. Um, but I want to retrace a couple of those steps because it's um, being 300 pounds uh, and having a 46 inch waist has um, has its drawbacks. And I want to understand a little bit about presumably where you were in enough pain that that caused you to take action. So that is the, that is, what is it? The something is a mother of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yep. But there are people out there who don't weigh 300 pounds and for whom might be listening right now saying, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I like eating or I like, fill in the blank. I, I don't like going hungry or living in a cave. Um, so to those people who see themselves as mostly healthy or ish close enough, what, what would you tell them? Because you had a, you had a problem that you needed to solve. Uh, my belief is that most people don't understand the difference between needing to solve a problem and optimizing their performance or their health or their well-being. So I'm hoping to you can sort of articulate a little bit from, you know, maybe your your position sure. as needing to versus someone who is perhaps unaware because I think there's a lot of people listening or watching right now who maybe had that point of view. What I told myself when I was 270 pounds and I'd been on antibiotics pretty much once a month for 15 years because of chronic sinus infections uh, and I'd had all these health problems as I look in the mirror and I would tell myself and believe it, yeah, I'm pretty healthy. Got a few things to work on. But really the voice in my head is like, make sure you get paid, work on your job, and can you get laid? Sorry, that's the human condition. That's what the voice in your head is gonna say. You know what it's never going to say? No one wakes up in the morning and says, today I wanna optimize my health. No one on earth. Optimizing your health is a stupid idea. <laughs> Here's why. Is it ever number one on your honeydew list? No, it never will be. You know what's number one on your list? You want power and you want control. And if you wake up and say, today I want enough energy, which is power, to do whatever I call on my body to do, you can wake up and you can sign up for that. The only people who want to wake up healthy are people who are desperately ill. And I did get that desperately ill when I had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome and toxic mold poisoning and Lyme disease and the long list of crap that can happen to you if you don't know what you're doing or if you're just unlucky or if you have bad genes or maybe all of those in my case. So no, you don't want to optimize your health. You want to have the power to do what you want to do today. And doing what you want to do today include eating stuff, and you do have the power to do that. You can choose to do it later so it'll work better uh, and to reproduce and to not die of things that are scary. In fact, a lot of the framework in Fast This Way is around evolutionary priorities in decision-making that happens outside of your brain. And most of us don't understand our, our cells run an operating system for life. And it's one that's so compact, it runs in a single cell, low bacteria floating around out there, a mold spore, um, a, a cactus, they all run this and so do we, but it runs inside our cells, not in our brain. And it goes something like this. If something might be scary, run away from, kill or hide from it. It's fear. And all life has to respond to things that might kill it, otherwise the species will end. 
And plants cover themselves in toxins and spikes and bark. And we think our way out of it. And, you know, a, a mold might make a poison, right? So everyone has its own defense system, but that's how it works. And you put 10 times more energy into that than it probably warrants because most of the time it's not a threat, but it might be. And your dumb little cells, not you, are deciding whether it's a threat. If you decide it's a threat, your cells will listen, but they'll decide for you long before you have a chance. And if that's fear, the next F word is food because everyone's died of famines, like every species on earth. So that means eat everything. And this is why fasting is so hard because there's a little voice that comes from inside a quadrillion ancient bacteria studded throughout your body going, eat the cookie. And, and you're but I'm fasting. And they're like, I don't even know what fasting is. We're, I'm dumb bacteria. Eat the cookie. <laughs> and you go through this arguing thing. And eventually, like, I'll just eat half the cookie. And then you're like, why am I such a bad person? Dude, you're not a bad person. What happened there is exactly the same thing as if you lean against a hot stove and you pull your hand away. A like, good thing I pulled my hand away before it got burned. You didn't pull your hand away. Someone else pulled your hand away and you noticed that you pulled your hand away and then you took credit for it. Well, the same thing happens when you eat the damn cookie and then you take credit for eating the cookie that you didn't want to eat because it wasn't you who made you eat it. It was another thing running inside of you that is outside of your brain. And you could have caught yourself and you could have burned willpower in order to say no. But guess who controls willpower? Those same bacteria, because those are the bacteria that make energy. They're called mitochondria. So that's kind of interesting where we have fear and we have food. What else does life have to do to stay alive for, for decades? But it's also an F word I'm looking for, Chase. Fuck. I'm in fertility. Good God, man. <laughs> All right, we could go there. So, all right. Okay, uh, you tricked me. <laughs> I might have done that before. So, the the idea there though is okay. So, if you put ten times extra effort on fear, five times on food, three times on fucking, well, okay, what's left after that? Well, there is a final F word, and this is why fasting is so important. The final F word that all life does is friend. And once your basic needs are met, you will form a community. And if you're a bacteria, you make a biofilm or you make yogurt or kombucha. And if you're a cactus, you make a cactus tribe, whatever cactus grown, I don't know. And if you're a human, you make a community and you specialize and you support each other. We are wired to do this inside our cells to keep our species alive. It is fundamental to being human that you want to help other people. But if you're all the time afraid and all the time hungry, you will not do this. And we have this loop inside of us that says, oh my God, I'm hungry. If I'm hungry, I might die. So we just went from 5X to 10X because dying is a fear thing. And if I'm going to die, then I won't get to reproduce. So we might as well throw that 3X on there. And that's why hunger is such a trigger. And that's why we feel like such jerks when we eat the cookie. But the ways to fast are sit down and do a spiritual fast the way I did in the cave and say, all right. I'm just going to deal with the feelings. I'm going to think about it. But since there's no food here, I can't sabotage myself. Uh, or you could say, I'm going to do this in a structured setting. But most people for the first time aren't going to go four days if there's food in the house because that part of them is going to just kind of make them do it. And then you'll convince yourself, it's a really good idea to break my fast only 47 hours into, into it. And right after you take the bite, you're like, God damn it. I can tell you I've done this enough times. Well, that is a personal growth path and it is valuable and it is good. And I talk about how to do that. But for most of us, did you want to have way more energy than you're used to having? Did you want to get younger? Did you want to just feel younger? Did you want to feel like every time you push down the accelerator, you could go faster instead of being pegged and it's already noon and you saw the rest of the day? Well, that's why intermittent fasting is important. 
the definition of biohacking that's that I put in the dictionary. It's a new word in our language since I did my first creative live. It's at least the definition that I first wrote is the art and science of changing the environment around you and inside of you so that you have full control of your own biology. Well, what if you did stuff so that you just didn't feel hungry? <laughs> then you could intermittent fast and you wouldn't care. And the cookie wouldn't ask you to eat it. You wouldn't trigger hunger, which wouldn't trigger fear, which wouldn't trigger lack of reproduction. And then you could just go about your morning and not be hypoglybitchy and not have all the other stress. And ultimately you get more done, you feel better and it's easier. And that's missing from the conversations around fasting. They're just like, do it because it's good for you. Do it because of the science. Yes, all that is true, but you're still not going to do it because your mitochondria don't understand science. They understand environment. I'm going to tell you to change your environment so that fasting is easier. So to my original question and to uh, dovetail and make sure I'm getting this right, the reason that people ought to care about our conversation today is because of fill in the blank because you want energy, energy and you want control you don't want to optimize your health you want enough power to do everything you love you want enough power to have sex until you fall over dead you want enough power to have the best career you want you want enough power to change the world and all of the above it's about how you feel and nothing else I love the, you know, you talk about in, in the book, um, I think enlisting your molecule, your, your molecules, enlisting your molecules or enlisting, enlist, enlist, enlisting your molecular machines, for example, that's the psychology and bringing those things on board. All, what I love about the way that you're um, phrasing this is if you're watching this right now, there is you have direct access to this benefit. I personally don't know, and I, I don't have any experience of fasting in line with the way that you have talked about it before and what you've written in this book and not feeling marginally, if not significantly better. I also believe that this path that many of us on our, our, our desire to beyond whether it's self-improvement betterment um i think the way you phrase it is is really appropriate is wanting the power to control your your life and do the things that you want to be able to do do you believe and you know this goes back to why you wrote the book is the information that is widely available on these subjects is it largely wrong and you're trying to fix it or is it just is just too much of it and you're trying to condense it and give it to us in a way that you know I'm fascinated with the why so this is you see me yeah. digging into why you wrote the book and because there is a ton of information out there if you think about like why did I start creative live because there's all kinds of stuff you can find information but you want to go to a trusted source and yeah. as someone who's done so much of this stuff to yourself and, and, you know, done the science and as you said, <laughs> lived through a shaman dropping off at a cave in the desert. Is it, you know, was the goal here to, you know, just give someone 10 cards they can turn over when they're trying to go through this? It's, that's not the goal. Um, 
you're an author too. You know that your hourly rate for writing books is it's a terrible deal to write <laughs> a book. A like, like, I'm serious. You write yeah. a book because you have to write the book yep. or because you have something that you think is worth thousands of hours of your time and worth your reader's time. Because honestly, I think I could make coffee as a barista in one of my coffee shops and probably equal the hourly rate. So well, the why of the book isn't economic. And see, I have 200 million downloads on my podcast. It's not about being better known. Oh, my fourth New York Times bestseller. It's about making a difference. And there's plenty of books with the science of fasting. So the reason I wrote this is that there's plenty of rational reasons for fasting. And I go over some of them in the book, especially some unknown ones. But it's why, aren't, why isn't everyone doing it? Why haven't we built this into our, our society? We haven't done it not because of the science. We haven't done it because of those three F words and because those things are in control so much. And I'm shining a light right on them and saying, here's how to get around it. And getting around it isn't just understanding. It's actually just changing it so you don't get the signals. So you can do some stuff at the start of a fast that dramatically improves your likelihood of, of succeeding and completing the fast. And there's other things you could do during a fast that makes it more impactful, like taking the right supplements, not taking the wrong supplements. So it was more about how to actually do a fast instead of here's the reasons you should do it in the types of fasts. That's easy. Just Google. It's not even actually use DuckDuckGo. Google doesn't even give you any good info about anything anymore. It just adds. <laughs> but when you, when you go out there and you say that's what it's about, it's about how to do it easily and without effort unless you wanted the effort for your own personal growth. All right. I'm so lazy. That's why. Yeah. Well, ultimately, I think that's part of, you know, what we in a culture that gives us things what we want when we need them and quickly, you know, I think that's a, a very virtuous reason for wanting to help someone because there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of lack of awareness and there's a lot of, you know, you can give people the tools and especially like you said, it's a bad hourly rate. But so you've written this book. I'm going to cut the chase here. There's a line in there that says fasting is like a Swiss army knife, an incredibly impactful tool that has far more use than just weight loss. Through fasting, you realize self-control and self-control leads to you making better decisions about the air you breathe, the food you eat, and the content you consume. Are you stating that fasting has is fundamental? Or is, is it, so is it a must have or is it a nice to have? It is a must have like sleeping. Okay. Go on. Well, it, if you, you can go through your life without doing it, you will die sooner. <laughs> you will get metabolic diseases. Your risk of dying of all cause mortality goes up, but okay. Death is a big deal. What if you just are running at maybe three quarters of your possible power? for most of your life because you never figured this out. Like, wait a minute. So it's not about life. It's about what can you do? You know, can you think at the end of the day, do you have enough power to be nice to your kids after driving an hour home in traffic? Or are you just blown out? Right. This comes down to an equation. How many electrons could you take from air and food? How few of them did you waste? And then how did you show up in the world? And I, you could do a lot better when you know how to do some fasting. In fact, one of the things that happens when you know how to fast is that voice in your head worrying about food actually stops. I found a study that's in fast this way. 15 to 50% of the thoughts in your head during the day 
are about what you're going to eat next. What if there weren't any of those? What would you do with 15 to 50% more capacity for thinking? That's why fasting is important. If you want to show up in the world as yourself, stop thinking so much about food. I, w- I will confess something. So I um, hit the gym yesterday morning. I have a little home gym here and my trainer that I used to go to this gym. Uh, I now see her remotely. And historically, probably through a story that I have told myself, um, rather than science, but that I needed to eat before working out. So I had energy mm-hmm. and I'm trying to put myself in a little vulnerable position here. Cause I think there's probably a lot of people who think like me. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm reading Dave's book. I'm talking to Dave this week. I'm going to not eat because I had stopped the night before at about six 30, which is a pretty early dinner for me, but, uh, did that. And my training session was at eight and I woke up and was, I found myself a little bit paranoid, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a bad, I'm going to have a bad workout because I'm not going into my workout prepared. Um, I did have coffee. It's a good call. And then I had my workout and my workout was harder than normal. And it was so hard, in fact, that I didn't have room in my psychology to say, gosh, why is this hard? However, my energy level was extremely high. And when I finished working my working out, the thought of eating did not cross my mind until 1245. Wow. Look at you. And But here's the question as someone who is in the middle of... Um, of working through the work that you're doing or have done for us in this book and have played with intermittent fasting, seen some benefits. Why have, why do I still that I know intellectually have all that internal psycho babble about not eating. And yet when I did it almost accidentally, almost forgetting that I had such a great experience. I had such a great workout and didn't feel hungry. I felt very naturally hungry at 1245. Walk me through, you know, what, what happened? <laughs> go back, you know, detective Asprey, please go back and tell me what's going I on. I love it that you tried this working out fasted, especially for, I'm guessing it was a strength workout. Yes. So it, it, it's perfect. There's something called mTOR that you might have heard of, and I reference this in, I think, all of my books. And this is what your body uses to put on muscle. And if it's chronically elevated, it also triggers cancer. So when you want to build muscle, what you do is you suppress mTOR, and then you, when you release mTOR, it comes springing back. And there's three things we know of that suppress mTOR, which will cause the spike you're seeking. And one of them is fasting, uh, one of them is coffee, <laughs> and one of them is exercise. So what you did is, is what I call in some of my books, uh, tripling down or triple stacking on mTOR. So you basically compressed it all the way. And then when you ate, that's what triggered the surge of mTOR. So you probably got more benefits from your workout when you had lunch uh, because you did everything you could to keep it suppressed. The reason you felt so good after your workout is that workouts naturally increase opiates and adrenaline. 
So you suppress your hunger after the workout because you worked out. And I was like, yeah, I got myself some adrenaline, some opiates. And by the time they wore off, like, okay, I could eat. When you ate, were you just ravenous or was it normal hunger? It was pretty normal hunger. Yeah, it was normal hunger. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And it was a, again, as someone who has intermittent fasted as a part of, as a curiosity for myself, because so many of my friends uh, like you and others have been advocating it, never really sort of hopped on the train. Um went in reading the book, you know, you advocate working out fasted. I haven't done that before or, and actually not, not have I not done it, but I actually have fear around it because I don't want to bonk and waste my time. So gosh, give it a whirl. And is this something now, this is the, this is the final question in my sort of trotting out my own experience here. This is just again, yesterday. Was this just, was this all, um, was this just psychology? Was I expecting this and then it happened? Or do you believe deeply that I'm just a product of my biology and, um, and I was ready to have this be successful? Cause I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm going to short circuit my own question here. I was prepared for it to suck. I was going to say, I don't think this is a case of placebo. <laughs> placebo is about 31%, but you were very curious about it, yeah. but you didn't have an expectation of an outcome. And, I, and, and really, I forgot. Like, that's the part that was strange <laughs> to me is I, I had forgot that I didn't eat. You know, the, I was focused on the workout, and then I went right from working out to a thing. I had a lot of energy, and I, it was literally like, like like 12.45. I was like, wow, wait a minute. This is These are my first calories aside from some coffee. And- so that's available to me at all times is what you're saying. It is, but that doesn't mean you should do it at all times. That's where so I want to go next. Do you use an aura ring or some kind of sleep tracker of any sort? Know, you you going on. There you go. Okay, yeah. cool. There it goes. Right there. All right. So yeah, you, you know your readiness score. So if you'd have woken up that morning and you're like, man, I got terrible sleep last night. I'm really kind of blown out. You should have skipped the strength workout and you should have had some breakfast with protein and fat. <laughs> like today I'm going to do a yoga class. It's all good. And yeah. you don't need to push yourself out because fasting is a stressor. It's just, it's a good stressor unless you already have enough stress. Look, you know, if you broke up with someone the night before you got fired the night before, uh, you know, your life's on fire or you've got, you know, the beginnings of a cold, maybe you just don't need to fast and go hit the gym really hard. You actually need to be kind to yourself. And this is the other reason I wrote fast this way is I am seeing men and women burn themselves out on fasting because they feel so good. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, at least a couple times a week, have some breakfast already. Like have breakfast with friends, have some bacon, like you'll be fine. You know, have some eggs or heck, if you have to have some gluten-free waffles, (laughs) it's fine. Uh, You don't even have to be keto. In fact, you don't want to be keto all the time. But fasting is a tool that is free. It saves you time. And when you do it, at least some of the time, it profoundly changes the energy you have the rest of the day and in the rest of your life. And it'll likely give you many more additional years of feeling good before you hit the end. Man, that's a good ROI. Yeah. I like you, you know, you talk about ROI in business and the ROI of, of this is power, health, you know, feeling good, thinking well. Um, and I also appreciate uh, what I'd like to go into in just a moment uh, is um, how this is different for um, for women. Uh, but before we do that, you have articulated in lots of different places. I've listened to a lot of the 
uh, conversations you've had with other folks. Again, you you have a class on Creative Live, which I recommend, um, and of course in your book. But you just said like eight different things that would be quote good for us. Now I know you're 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 often hesitant to be prescriptive because there's so many. Um, there's, there's a lot of nuance. You just talked about the stressors. You know, I you don't want to prescribe something to someone who is, you know, just had a big breakup the night before, but I would like if you would walk us through a reasonable approach to many of the different, um, biohacks or I'll just call it, you know, psycho or maybe psychosomatic, or I'm not quite sure what the right, but all of the different techniques that you have experimented with walk us through what a reasonable recommendation from Dave Asprey looks like, like, sure. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to eat keto for fill in the blank and then I'm going to, you know, intermittent fast for X or I'm going to intermittent fast once or twice a week, or just give us the, what I'm trying to get to is how wide ranging life can be on on the plus side, right? All those can be benefits because you're not tied into one thing. And I believe so many people are still stuck as you try and break in the book, but on the like on the less than, and I have to do this as a punishment to myself. And the way you described it 90 seconds ago was like a little bit of this, a little bit. Of, it's kind of like cooking, you know. You you're just you've got all the ingredients there. So walk us through a reasonable commingling of these amazing ingredients that you have, um, that you've been espousing for a long time. Well, at least three times a week, don't have breakfast. It's real tough. I think most people can do that. Now, if you're obese, like I was the thought of not having breakfast and not having a snack and just waiting until noon like, man, I'm going to kill someone at work. I, I have ended a meeting uh, in my mid twenties. I'm like, guys, it's 1145. I can't pay any more attention. I'm going to kill one of you and eat one of you if I don't go to the cafeteria. So we're done. <laughs> I just <laughs> left because I'm like, I can't do this. Right. I don't like feeling that way. And when I say skip breakfast, some people are like, Dave, you're an idiot. I can't do it. And there are three fasting hacks that I feel like I have to talk about here. No, before it's perfect. I go on to the next things. No, it's great. And the reason for fasting hacks is to turn off the voice in your head that says that you're go you're going to die if you don't eat. And that way the fast can be easy. The first hack you already figured out, it's black coffee. Coffee, the amount of caffeine anyway, not just coffee, but caffeine present in two small cups of coffee doubles ketone production. Okay, that is really big. And we didn't know that until just a few years ago. And that means if you have a cup of black coffee before you fast, your ketones go up a little bit. As the ketones go up to very mild levels, much less than the keto bro, you know, I only eat bacon kind of person, you're actually turning off a hunger hormone called uh, ghrelin, and you're turning on a satiety or a fullness hormone called CCK. And when you do that, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wait, I'm feeling better. So the first hack, just black coffee, that may be enough. Like, you know what? Suppress my appetite. I just don't care about food. I'm good. Then the next hack for that is something I'm kind of well known for. And like there's been hundreds of millions of bulletproof co of coffee sold. But I will tell you, if you put some MCT oil, the C8 kind that raises ketones more than coconut oil and more than regular MCT, that uh, it's called brain octane. Um, there's a couple other people making a C8 now. Uh, but you do that in a little bit of butter and you blend it up. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be like 400 calories or whatever the critics are going to tell you. 
you still maintain the benefits of fasting. And the fasting purists are like, in the mouse study over there, the mouse only had water. I'm like, yeah, the mouse didn't have an espresso machine or it would have worked better. So <laughs> I've talked to like world-class experts on autophagy and written a book about it. And I will tell you flat out, if your protein digestion doesn't get turned on and your insulin doesn't move, you're still fasting, except for if you're doing a fast to rest your gut and for some certain specific bacterial things. Other than that, you do those two things, like I just don't care about food. But the other thing, that is new to the world of fasting and is a part of fast this way. And something I've tested a lot is prebiotic fiber. This stuff cannot be digested by you. It doesn't raise your blood sugar. It's still keto. But when you put it in your body, your gut bacteria turn it into something called butyric acid, which is pro-ketosis. So it can actually raise your levels. It also is really good for the balance of healthy gut bacteria. So you could have a cup of coffee. You could put some prebiotic fiber in there. You could put a little bit of MCT oil, a little bit of butter, blend it up. It still tastes like coffee and you drink it. And you know what? People could wave croissants and pizza and whatever else from you and you just don't care. You're like, no, I just don't want to eat. And it's so liberating. Instead of going, I have willpower, I'm going to say no, and then was going to judge me if I change my mind. So I'm just going to sit in the meeting. I'm going to think about it. Now all that's gone. Okay. There's your intermittent fast. Use one or all three of the fasting hacks. So you got your morning and you're still yourself, right? And sometimes don't have any of them and just be like, I'm going to do it because I'm feeling really good. And that, that's all good. It doesn't have to be the same every day. And then you might want to start out the day with another hack that is very, very annoying for three days. And it is at the end of your shower, put it on cold water. I've been saying this for 10 years, cold water on your forehead and your chest. You'll last about eight to 10 seconds. You'll jump out of the shower and say, Dave Asprey is a super jerk. Well, go back in the next day. You'll last 20 or 30 seconds. The day after that, you'll last maybe a minute and you'll still hate me. The fourth day you'll go in and be like, what just happened? Like, I actually doesn't feel cold. I feel okay. In fact, I feel really good. And then your skin starts to look better and you're full of energy for the day. It only takes three days for the mitochondria in your body to shift the composition of their lipid membranes. This is in studies. Yes, they're mouse studies, but it works for people too. And suddenly you're better at making energy on demand when you need to, because you told your body, you live in a world where you might have to make energy on demand. That way later, when you demand the energy, so you don't yell at your boss, <laughs> you have the energy that you needed, right? It, it's really easy. Okay. So now you didn't have to pay for breakfast. You might've had to pay for coffee and maybe some other stuff. You didn't have to pay for hot water for a minute. Okay, we can all do this. What else should you do? You should monitor your sleep because you want to be good at sleeping. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I've written uh, about sleep. In fact, even in this book, in Fast This Way, there's a section on how to combine fasting and sleep to change your circadian window rapidly. Chapter and five. You what? It's chapter five. Chapter in five. Case anyone's asking. I didn't know which chapter it was yes. off the top of my head. I just finished the audible read for it, but I didn't remember the number. <laughs> And uh, you see, you go through, you're like, oh, wait, okay, so I got better sleep than I did before. Oh, and by the way, part of that, don't eat real close to bedtime because you'll get worse sleep. And check this out. If you had dinner like at 5.30 and then you finish dinner like 6.30 and you go to bed at 10.30, you got four hours of fasting and then you sleep for eight hours. That's 12 hours. You only have to go four more hours and you just did a 16-hour fast. Good for you. It wasn't that hard, right? So you can do stuff like that. But if you just did those three things, oh, and then once a week, you're like, okay, I'm going to run for 20 seconds like there's a tiger chasing me. Then I'm going to walk real slow and then I'm going to run. I'm talking run for 20 seconds. Run really fast and then walk as slow as you can. 
you'll get more benefits from two 20 second cardio intervals over seven minutes than you will in 45 minutes of steady state spinning and sweating all over the place. And that's research from the University of Colorado. So, okay, you saved yourself a bunch of time and every day you got to go for a walk for 20 minutes just to move around. There's another set of benefits there. If you were to do those things, you don't have to take all the smart drugs I write about. You don't have to run electricity over your brain, which is awesome. Uh, you know, you don't have to have lasers or anything. If you were to do those things, what you've done is you've taught your cardiovascular system, you've taught your other systems. Oh, I forgot. You should also once a week lift really heavy things briefly until your muscles can't do it again for 10 minutes. You can do more if you want to, but you don't have to. And we're talking squats, push-ups, maybe some pull-ups, uh, that kind of a thing. It doesn't have to be crazy. That's going to tell your body something really important. And this is something that is also in fast this way. And it's, it's kind of a new unifying theory for all these biohacks. It's that the body is always listening to the environment around you. And it responds strongest to things that have a high slope of the curve. In other words, if you throw the frog in hot water, it jumps out. If you slowly turn up the heat, it boils. Well, the body really wants you to jump into the hot water so it can learn how to jump out really quickly. So if you do stuff that says, hey, at any time, you may need to be able to turn the heat all the way up, it'll be ready. And at any time, you may need to be able to go for all of a day without food, it'll be ready. And if you say at any time, you may have to lift really heavy stuff until you think you're going to die, it'll be ready. At any time, you have to be ready to move the blood through your body really fast, it'll be ready. And that it'll be ready translates directly into something else. It's called resilience. It's called a functioning immune system. It's called the ability to get blood into your head and to think and to focus and to do and show up the way you want to show up. So this isn't that hard. And there's all kinds of cool things like intermittent hypoxia and breathwork training, meditation and things you can layer onto there. You don't have to do any of that. But if you do the things that take the least amount of time, least amount of money, least amount of energy and give you more energy in return, then all of a sudden doing the next one doesn't feel very hard because you got the energy already. That was as well put as I've ever heard it. That was fantastic. And I think oh, that that's, that just the, I, uh, to, to retrace for just a moment, um, cold water therapy, people have been advocating it for a long time. Love Wim Hof. He's a friend. Yeah. 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 I, um, Wim's been on the show. I would call him a friend. Uh, I am, I would say 16 feet from my cold plunge. I have a hot tub and a cold plunge in my yard nice. directly on the other side of this window. I use it every day. It has absolutely been a game changer. Um, and for what it's worth, uh, I was um, buying a your book. Like Pre-orders are huge, you guys, just as an FYI for yeah. if you want to support uh, people who are doing cool stuff in the world like Dave is. Um, you know, one of the best ways you can, you can support Dave is to buy his book ahead of time. Amen. And thank you. Yeah. 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 And I, so I like to do that prior to having all of my guests who are authors on the show. And I was doing that and, and saw you were paired there with Vim. People also bought. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but he was just on does, my show too. That it helps. does. It goes together <laughs> like, um, I don't know, like peanut butter and jelly. And if you're European, peanut butter and jelly sounds disgusting. I know that I heard that before. Marmite. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is nasty. Vegemite, Marmite, all that stuff. Oh. So you said a few, uh, that is just a beautiful, like, here, here's a handful of baseline things that you can do that are free, cheap, super easy. And I also have found that this idea of layering in more stuff while it sounds hard before you start 
when you have made habits out of these things and you've received the benefit, the, the thought of layering in more stuff is actually joyful. Um, and that's, I think yes. has to do with a lot of with that power that you start to feel when you're, you're in control of your life. Um, you mentioned in there a couple things that I want to get particular on, if you don't mind my being a little bit, um, maybe at the risk of being pedantic or too detail oriented, but you talked about types of fasting. And again, you want to want steer people to read the book, but you talked about, um, 16, eight, um, which is a, for those who are familiar with it, that's, that's an obvious one, but just replay that for those who are sure. new to it. And the same, if you would, with five, two and anything else, any other two numbers that you'd like to put together, you feel free I, to do it, but just give us I, a little bit of the, some of the sure. types of fasting. I put a directory of fasting in there and I want to preface this by saying the best type of intermittent fasting is the one you're going to do. They all work. <laughs> so we can yep. get that out of the way. You don't have to be right on this one. You have to do it, is it? So the simplest and kind of most beginner one is 16 hours without eating, which is most, at least half of it's going to be when you're asleep, right? Mm -hmm. And then you eat all of the calories you normally would eat during eight hours. And then you can upgrade from that to an 18-6, which means you went two more hours without eating and you ate all of your meals for during a six-hour window. And the next step up from that is basically a 24 hour fast, but it's much sexier to call it an OMAD fast, which stands for one meal a day. You're like, yeah, I'm OMAD. It sounds kind of <laughs> badass. So, uh, and it is a little bit more biologically stressful to just do OMAD. Most people who do OMAD are like, oh my God, I feel so good. I'm going to do OMAD every day forever. And then two months later, they wish that they would have had breakfast every now and then. So just because it was good for a couple of days doesn't mean it's the best practice for every day for the rest of your life. That's the kindness to yourself. And there's also 5-2 where you can fast two days a week and you eat normally the other five. There's something that I wrote about originally in the Bulletproof Diet, like back in 2011, and it's called a protein fast. So one day a week, you eat less than 15 grams of protein. So you can eat a thousand calories or something. You can have some coconut milk and you can have some vegetables that aren't too high in protein. So you're not really hungry, but you get the autophagy, the breaking down old cellular junk and getting rid of it. You get that effect if you just avoid the protein. So you can also do other longer fasts as well. And there are people who name them different things. So I do my best in there to say, okay, you know, sometimes <laughs> people will take the name of someone's work and then they'll say, oh, like that's a lean gains fast. And Martin, who's the guy who created lean gains, no, lean gains is a whole program that goes with a certain length of fast. And you're doing him a disservice if you're saying, oh, I'm doing a lean gains fast, but you're actually just doing an 18-6 fast because you didn't do the rest of what he told you to do. So <laughs> I, I do my best in the book to say, this is a fast that's been branded. There's also the FMD or fasting mimicking diet where you eat a lower number of calories for a substantial number of days of the week, but you're not actually fasting. And what this comes down to is the real core definition of fasting, which is it's just going without. And you can fast from carbs. It's called the keto diet. You fast from animal products. It's called the vegan diet and not good for the planet. Um, that's a whole different conversation there, but I, I write about, you know, the vegan uh, approach and how you can combine it with fasting, but how it's probably going to be harmful um, because of cell membrane integrity, not because of protein specifically. And when you look at this, there's other things. Fasting from alcohol, we 
do that. <laughs> there's fasting from gluten. It's just going without. There's social media fasting. There's dopamine fasting. We're saying, I'm going to fast from anything that gets me too stimulated to reset my dopamine receptors. And there's my dopamine receptors. There's actually emerging evidence that you're probably just during a normal fast, also making it so that when you do eat, the food tastes better and that you actually get more pleasure from it. So fasting is a spice when you put it that way. And the list goes on. There's 24-hour fast, 48-hour fast, 72-hour fast. There's dry fasts where you go without water and without food for a day or sometimes up to three days, which has a different effect on the body and probably is a little bit rough on a lot of biologies, but people are doing it. Uh, so what I would encourage people to understand is you don't have to have a name for your fast. Just pick a length of time and say, I'm going to go this long without eating junk food. You just went on a junk food fast for three days. Good for you. If you're addicted to junk food, it's going to be really hard to do because they put MSG and NutraSweet in there and those are addictive substances. <laughs> you're going to be like, I'm dying without my, my diet soda and my French fries here. You're not dying. That's the voice in your head just lying to you. So start there. That's okay too. It's just choosing to go without something for a brief period. Awesome. Now, I promised to uh, ask you a, a couple of questions about how women might approach this differently. And before I do, because you may choose to include this um, in, it, maybe it's different, maybe it's not uh, for the gender biology, um, but I want to touch on uh, the mental clarity aspects. Um, when I first started experimenting with some of your techniques uh, and Bulletproof Coffee in particular, I got um, way smarter especially between, I would say, two and six hours after the Bulletproof Coffee. And my mental acuity was um, significantly elevated. And I got to the point that if I had to, you know, lead an executive meeting or give a keynote in front of thousands of people, and if I didn't have um, that near me, I was disappointed and frustrated because I became, uh, I started to rely on it. So I've personally experienced the, the clarity of thinking that goes with bulletproof coffee. And I'm wondering if you can tell us, is that something, is that just the fat that yeah. is in there or is it the combination of not having eaten and then when you do put calories in your body, they are fat. So you're mimicking fasting. What is the combination? And this asking for a friend, but my friend is, <laughs> is truly me. Like I, I, to this day, if I'm going to do something very public in front of a large audience and I, I, I will not, I, I will fast and I will consume a bunch of good high quality fat and it makes me way smarter. I want to know why. Okay. It turns out it's not making you smarter. It's making you more energetic. You already had the smarts in there, but you didn't have the power to use them. Oh, thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, no, it I get it. I get rewire it. Rewire your brain in that right. amount of time, and you can rewire your brain. It takes a lot of work. So, what's going on there? There's probably six reasons that Bulletproof Coffee is doing that. And the most obvious one is coffee makes you smarter. We know this. But when you are not fasting, you're eating stuff. And the vast majority of things that we call food have toxins in them. And that's okay. 
the toxins are there because animals don't want us to eat their, or sorry, plants don't want us to eat their babies. So plants cover their babies in poison. Animals don't want us to eat their babies. They bite us if we try to eat their babies. <laughs> so what what's going on there is like, well, our ancestors figured out that um, they would die if there was a famine. So they figured out they could eat this plant and not die. Notice they didn't say they could eat this plant and show up on stage and kick ass and be at their highest and best power, <laughs> yeah. right? They yeah. just wanted to not starve. And these became our foods. And if you talk to a food company executive, what's the cheapest food I can get? It's the stuff that will keep people from starving. And then how do I make it taste really good? Add some artificial colors and flavorings and bad fats and some salt and you're good to go, right? So when you're fasting, one of the side effects that people don't think about is you're not consuming negative things in plants. Now, plants have good things too, but you're by avoiding the negative, you're doing something special. And this is a core part of the Bulletproof Diet, which is outside of just the world of fasting. But when you fast, you are consuming no toxins that slow you down. Your digestive processes are not working. So the energy that you would have put into breaking down food is not there. When you use the MCT oil in the coffee and it raises ketones, ketones have more electrons per rotation of the Krebs cycle than you can get from eating carbohydrates or burning glucose, which comes from eating too much protein or eating carbs. So all of a sudden your brain's like, yeah. And we know in science, the neurons will eat ketones even if there's sugar floating around nearby. They prefer it because it's a better fuel for them. Now the glial cells that shape and support your brain, they want sugar. They'll eat ketones if they have to, but they don't function as well. That's one of the reasons you cycle in and out of ketosis. It's mm -hmm. one of the reasons you don't fast all the time. That's called yep. starvation. And those are happening. You also have the pharmacokinetics of caffeine, and we're modifying that with the fat. But the thing that was missing um, that I really haven't talked much about because the research just came out, it's, it's pre-publication. It's been driving me nuts. When I first had yak butter tea in Tibet and I noticed the difference, I could not explain it. And... I remember I was, I was at South by Southwest, probably the first year or two of Bulletproof, just starting the blog. And I didn't have a blender. And I said, man, I don't want to eat all this, you know, junk food that's available everywhere. So I bought a stick of butter and a cup of coffee. And I ate the stick of butter like a Snickers bar. It was in front of this VP from, from Twitter who was just horrified. I'm like, no, I'm hungry. I just need some food here. And it didn't work. You know, I was okay, but I didn't get the buzz. I was like, what's going on here? Why do I have to blend it? Well, I gave $50,000 to the University of Washington for basic water biochemistry research. And Gerald Pollack, who identified this fourth phase of water, it's a real thing in water. You can see it in a microscope. When water is up against a lipid membrane, these little droplets of fat, it changes its structure. And it turns out what humans do, we drink water, and then we put the water next to our cell membranes, which are made of little droplets of fat, and then we expose it to 1,200 nanometer light. It's called heat, <laughs> body, body heat. <laughs> And that changes the water so that it's the form of water that we can use to make energy in the form of ATP or to fold proteins and to do what our cells do. So our cells are full of special water. And what Gerald figured out in his research at UW was that butter, <laughs> and he did test uh, the, uh, the, the grass-fed butter, and MCT, at least the eight carbon chain, the, the stuff that I recommend, both of those, ex they form very large amounts of this kind of water. So when you blend that Bulletproof coffee up, you are now drinking water that your body can use right away without having to burn calories to heat it up. So you're like, okay, I got energy from ketones. 
I got water I didn't have to heat up and transform in order to use it. I got caffeine. I got the other polyphenols that are in coffee that are good for you. It's no wonder that you feel amazing. I did not know all of that when I tried the thousand different things to see what tastes good and what works and what gives me the buzz I'm looking for. And it's not a caffeine buzz. It's very different. And you're also not eating the very common toxins that are present in coffee called okra toxin A, which forms from a species of fusarium fungus that's very common in coffee. So common that it's illegal to sell coffee that has very much of this toxin. It's illegal in China, all of Europe, in Japan, and most of South America, but it's legal. There's no limits on, on that stuff in coffee in the US. So when it's illegal to drink elsewhere, they send the coffee to the US and Canada, and then they'll drink it. And then you don't get the same buzz from that coffee. You get jittery. And for me, I quit coffee for five years. I thought I was allergic to it. No, I drink clean coffee. And that was part of the bulletproof uh, creation is I flew down to Guatemala and we put in new infrastructure to avoid the fermentation problems in coffee. And then we lab test the coffee. So there's a lot going on in that cup of bulletproof coffee. But I promise you, given the 10 year longevity of this and the hundreds of millions of cups of it, it's because people feel it. Like you're not alone in that. I want this energy, but I will tell you, if you do bulletproof coffee, for about two years and you stop eating bad fats the way I recommend the seed oils, canola, corn, soy, your cell membranes change. It takes about two years. That's the half-life of fat in your cell membranes. And when that happens, you actually make stronger cells and you'll find that you need less butter, less MCT oil, and you just have built cells that make more of that power on demand. And you'll eventually get to the point where, you know what? Today's a really big day. I'm putting some butter and MCT in my coffee. And you know, today I just don't need anything. I'll have a cup of black coffee because I like it. And I'm totally dialed in and you can go on stage and you can be yourself and it's up to you. But it takes time because you're rebuilding your body from the inside out. And if while you're drinking your Bulletproof, if then for lunch you go have the deep fried calamari and French fries, you're going to have to keep having that Bulletproof forever. Uh, that's fascinating. Thank you for- um, Kind of a long answer. No, I love it. Like that's why this is a long form- show um what role just a small follow-up question what role does simply not eating because i have also tried to uh like we were taught as kids eat a big breakfast so you you're nourished before you go on stage and i just am floppy and not good and like my <laughs> i don't show stuff. up with breakfast no way <laughs> yeah and and so you know that is part of my, my question, I guess, specifically is how much of my, okay, I'm doing the bulletproof coffee, but how much of it is the fasted state as well? Because my body, you know, I'm aware that, you know, the number one use of energy is locomotion. Number two is digestion. So how much of my awareness of how much better I perform when I'm, um, you know, on an empty stomach and, and bulletproof coffee how much of that is just in the fasted state where we, we have energy that we otherwise would be burning through digestion? I don't have a hard number for you, but it's a meaningful amount. It, it's that when all the blood that would be in your stomach to digest food isn't there, mm -hmm. and all of the energy that goes to making the pancreatic enzymes for digestion, all of that, all the gut motility, it just doesn't need to happen. So then it's like, oh, extra energy, where can I put it? It'll go into your brain, especially because you're calling on your brain at that time. So it's uh, it, it's very meaningful what that difference is. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't dream of doing a, a big a big keynote, a big event, uh, or 
or, or even like sitting down for an eight hour writing session to write my book. If I'm like, oh, I just ate a giant meal because you're sluggish. Mm-hmm. And even if you're saying, oh, I just ate a small meal, it depends on what's in the meal. If you had some some sugar in there, you're going to write really well and you'll show up and you want to feel great. You only have a one hour keynote. Put a tablespoon of organic sugar in your bulletproof coffee. And now your brain's like, yeah, I got all the glucose I need and I got ketones and I got all this stuff. And you'd be like, yes. And of course, you might not feel so happy later that day, but you know. <laughs> it'll be my best for that hour. Right? <laughs> Sugar is a cognitive enhancer for the short term and a cognitive unenhancer for the long term. Um, all right. So I want to put a bow on a couple of things and then circle back to how uh, give you an opportunity to speak directly to some of the women who are listening yeah. or um, um anyone who's curious about that. And the last, you know, a bow that I want to put on it is, so there's a, a combination of things that I've personally experienced through not eating. And aside from the stories I've told myself, which is the only real negative, I personally have gotten a lot of benefit from fasting in various different forms. I've tried to share uh, some of those today uh, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm making a connection and it's not a false one because my connection was around this mental clarity was, you know, a lot of not having eaten the part that I just walked through the bulletproof coffee, as you said, has a bunch of things that are happening in there, but there's also this clarity that comes, um, from eating less or fasting, actively fasting in any of the various ways that you've uh, talked about today that have a history of mental clarity. And in the book, you bring in religion, Zen Buddhism, Hinduism, anything Judeo-Christian. There is a history of fasting in each of these different um, philosophies of life. And I'm wondering if you can connect some of those for us. I thought you might bring it up while I was kicking around some of these things historically, but since you didn't, I found that to be interesting. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit. I, I, I did some pretty hefty research into fasting practices around the world throughout history. And what you'll find is that every spiritual practice, every organized religion that you can find has fasting as a part of what they do. And it's been lost or watered down over the, especially the last couple hundred years uh, because it's frankly unpopular to tell people don't eat and we'd like to eat right yeah. it's also equally unpopular to say don't have sex we like to have sex like there are things that are fundamental human drives <laughs> and those are two big ones that it's really hard to bet against uh, and if you could bet against them then there would be no more people because we would starve to death and we wouldn't reproduce so it's okay to just acknowledge that we want to eat. And it's also in a spiritual tradition, it's around fasting for a couple of days, which provides clarity because the digestion work stops so that energy can go to the brain because you go into ketosis. So the energy goes into the brain and you really do hit a state of clarity. And it, it's so amazing. After the second day of fasting, as I described, when I'm talking about the different days in the cave when I'm fasting, which is the, the backdrop and the structure for fast this way. The third day, you're like, I'm just not hungry, but I'm so powerful. Like I can feel everything. I can see everything. Think colors are more vibrant. Like my senses are awake. That's real. And it is a religious kind of experience and it requires dedication. And whatever your belief system is, whatever deities or energies you work with, 
it's easier to connect with them when you're running at full power. And it's so counterintuitive to say, wait a minute, you mean when I'm not eating, I'm running at full power? But it's like this, you can have a battery that's charging and run it, but there's energy going into the recharging. And if you're, I'm not gonna worry about recharging, I'm just gonna run off the battery and that's all I'm gonna do. All processes are forward, all of it's focused. That's when people can connect with the divine. They can connect with the universe. And if you wanna enter a state of samadhi, which is where you actually are at one with the universe, it requires fasting. And if you want to do a lot of the very advanced meditation states, it requires periods where you just, your gut's not busy. You're doing something else. And I believe that if we can make fasting scientifically valid, which it is, it's already done, but if we can make it achievable again, or if you can get that three day fasted state, but you can do it in one morning because you actually raised your ketones as if you were fasting, the end result of any of those practices is that a metabolism that works better provides more energy to the person who has that metabolism. And when we have more energy, we are wired to be kind to each other. <laughs> That's what most religions want you to do. Be nice to other people. Like, let's not have another war. Although most religions go through a phase of war too, but that's another thing. <laughs> Fascinating. And Did you say fascinating? Fascinating. <laughs> Ooh, but on bump. How many times have you done that before? Is that the first? No. It was the first, actually. It was the first. All right. You heard it here first, folks. I always like to bring you premieres here on the show. Um, they've talked to me about how women might think about this a little bit differently than men due to the way that female bodies react to changes. And they, I know there's yeah. some, some special considerations, and I'm hoping you can uh, shine a light on that. There's a, a whole chapter in the book that's specific to fasting for women. And one of the problems in the history of fasting research, guess who we do our fasting experiments on? There's two classes of animals that have basically no rights. One of them is mice and the other one is college freshmen. And I mean, fresh men, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... Need Throughout most of history, yeah. <laughs> it was white dudes in college. So that was who they would run the experiments on, the psychology experiments, the diet experiments and all that stuff, because they'll do anything for beer money, right? I know. I went to school too. So there's fewer studies on women in fasting, uh, but we understand some evolutionary psychology, and I reference the studies that we do have. And what happens is for men, if you don't have sex no one's going to die, right? If you don't reproduce, it's okay. With a woman, if you do have sex and there's inadequate calories or inadequate nutrients, you could die because you could get pregnant and there could not be enough food for you and the baby. And then mother nature knows that you're screwed. Now, you know, like, hey, I'm using birth control. I'm not going to get pregnant. But mother nature doesn't know that because mother nature is listening to the little cells in your body that are following the basic four F words. So we have a disconnect there. And what that means is that you're likely to experience more physical, biological stress sooner than a man does during a fast. And fasting still provides great benefits, but you might want to start out by doing three to five days a week of intermittent fasting, not every day of the week. In fact, most women, but not all, uh, who I know, who, especially if they're exercising a good amount, don't do well over time with unending intermittent fasting, especially if they're also mixing in some longer fasts. So my recommendation there would be have breakfast on weekends, have brunch with your friends. <laughs> and if you're trying to mix keto and you're trying to mix uh, fasting with the keto diet, which you do not have to do, 
it's particularly rough. Men will typically hit the wall in about two months and women typically hit the wall in about a month. This is a month of unending intermittent fasting um, or unending keto without consuming carbs or without taking a break from intermittent fasting. Some women, especially if you're young, especially if you don't have any underlying health conditions at all, you might be like, you know, I feel great. I don't eat breakfast hardly ever. But I will bet you money that three months after saying that, you're like, you know what? My cycle's a little bit off. And there's also times when you look at your aura ring score and there's this amazing thing that when you're on your cycle, there are certain times when your readiness score will be lower, your heart rate variability is lower, and your body's doing a lot of extra work on refreshing the uterine lining. Well, during that time, it might be a better idea to have breakfast. And it also might be a better idea to fast, but you've got to be aware of that. The, the saving grace here is that women are almost always better biohackers than men. <laughs> and I don't know if, you know, people saying, oh, women, they're more heart centered or whatever, which is a bit of a stereotype. Uh, but I will say that women, because your biology changes on a regular basis, you're more aware of changes in your biology. If you're a guy like me, I didn't realize that anything below my neck really mattered very much, except if I was on a date. <laughs> or if I was hungry. And this is a very common, very stereotypical perspective, but it's borne out through mitochondrial behavior and survival instincts. So what this means is if you are practicing fasting or you're practicing keto, or for that matter, you're practicing the vegan diet and you start noticing changes in your hormones, you start noticing changes in your hair, then it's time to eat some more. And it's okay to do that. Do not get into this idea, oh, I have to do the same fast every day because it's easier. I have to work out every day the same way because it's easier. Overtraining is a problem. Overfasting is a problem. And you'll see it in thinner hair, thyroid dysfunction, and hormone dysfunction. And before those hit you, you'll see it with sleep disruption. So fasting is powerful, just not every day. It's really easy. Every other day, you can do it. <laughs> well, uh I found that section fascinating, um, not because of my gender, because like I, I want to understand a 360 degree or as much as possible when I'm undertaking something. And I've been, you know, dipping my toe in fasting for a long time without really knowing much of the science, um, very superficial, still getting plenty of benefits, but I, I just want to give you, uh, personally a shout out because your, you. your book is really helpful and it, it, um, shined a light on a lot of the things that I was like, ah, so that's why not dissimilar to what you, how you helped me understand the benefits that I got from my workout yesterday morning. Uh, so, you know, shout out. Thank you so much for writing a book about fasting that I felt like needed to be written. Um, and we've already said once, but I'll say it again. If you want to be able to, uh, to help Dave out, pre-ordering his book. Uh, we'll make sure to drop this podcast in time so that you can get it before it's out. That's a huge help for, for any author. And, uh, Dave is in that category. Um, you know, that that's a great way to support folks beyond just the purchase. The timing of that purchase matters. And if you can buy it from a, a local bookstore or a small bookstore, that's even better. But of course, all these choices are yours. So Dave, I appreciate you being on the show. Congratulations on, of course, all your successes. And it was a treat to get to meet you a few years ago when you did your Creative Live class. Uh, again, I have to recommend that. And um, just thanks so much for being on the show and for writing the book. Keep keep doing the, the cool things that you're doing. And um, any can you steer people towards a couple of places you'd like them to go on the internet 
um, in pursuit. I mean, I, I shared the bit about your book, but is there anything else that you want to say before we scoot? If you do pre-order my book first, thank you. It's worth your time or I wouldn't have written it. If you go to fastthisway.com, which is the webpage for the book, and you send me a copy of your receipt, I'll send you a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> and then you go to the website and figure out what it is. But basically, it's my job to make it easy for you to figure out how to start fasting in a way that won't break you and that makes you feel good. The reason I'm doing it is that I think it'll make you nicer to yourself and to other people around you. I want us to have a lot of nice people because there's a lot of stress people going on right now. Yeah. There's also a section in the book on fasting and immunity, when to eat, uh, when to fast and when to eat, depending on what kind of an infection you might have. There's really good data on this that isn't really well understood or well known, but it is well understood. So I just say it's worth your time. And if you haven't heard of Bulletproof Radio, top 100 podcasts for years running, a couple hundred million downloads, and I'd love uh, to spend more time with you there. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show. Congrats on the book. Uh, it was fun to read a little bit more about something I've been paying attention to for some time. So thank you very much. And uh, signing off, everybody, check out Dave's book, and we'll be back in your ears again, hopefully, tomorrow. Thanks, Jace. All right, that is a wrap. But before you go, hey, I wanted to say thank you so much. And I do note that many of you have asked how you can help me out there in the world. And I have a great answer for that, and it is sharing this show. Um, my goal is I create this content with a, with a talented, hardworking crew over here at Creative Live. And our goal is to get this information out there into the world, help the, the greatest creators and, and entrepreneurs of our time get their ideas spread far and wide. So you sharing your takeaways or just links to the show, any of the podcast platforms or whatever, means the world to me. Thing two, how you can help if you care is to leave a review at your preferred podcast platform. That also helps surface uh, this show, the guests, uh, in in search results on each of the platforms, and it means a lot. So, thank you so much. Really, really grateful, and I'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Hopefully, soon, maybe next, maybe right after this. Maybe you're gonna listen. Anyway, whenever you get around to it, I'm here. Thank you. <laughs>